I know people are like, oh, the risk tolerance thing, but it is important just to kind of get a sense of where you're at today and, and know that that's something that could change tomorrow. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Welcome into All Things Retirement. It's great to have you on the podcast today. If you haven't joined us before, you can find everything we do at cardinalwg.com. It stands for Cardinal Wealth Group, which is where you'll find Anthony Alpha, who's a certified financial planner and the founder of Cardinal Wealth Group. Anthony, today's topic, we're talking about the world of money. I'm sure you get the question a lot, hey, what's a good investment that I need to put my money into, right, Anthony? Just a very general question like that. Multiple times a week, <laughs> not just at work, but at, at parties, <laughs> at, on the golf course, at, you know. Everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure it's pretty common, but there's going to be different answers for everybody. But really to boil it down to kind of really understand where you should be investing your money, how you should be investing, you should understand the three worlds of money. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to lay out the three different worlds of money, the best uses for them, pros and cons, how people misuse them um, with their money. And, And hopefully by the end of this, you'll get a better understanding of how Anthony works with his clients to invest, but also maybe how you want to be thinking about your investments and uh, and how to attack that. So great show today in store for you. Again, you'll find it online afterwards at cardinalwg.com, along with all of our podcasts there and other resources that Anthony offers anyone uh, free of charge to, to get on there and learn more about financial and retirement planning. How's everything going, Anthony, by the way? Everything good at the office? Yep, everything's going great. Uh, got a little bit of vacation planned for a uh, little beach little beach action for a little bit. So looking forward to that. Uh, unwind uh, with the family. But um, yeah, just middle of the summer at this point. So weather's good, a little hot, but can't complain. What beach do y'all like to travel to? We're actually going to go to Cape May. I mean, that's not too far. It's about an hour and a half from where we live. So it's, you know, and then we just rent a house and we'll just hang out. But um, we know it pretty well. We we stay down there before, but we we don't. We try to jump around though a little bit too, so not always at the same place either. A lot of options along the coast there, so there, there are certainly. Yeah, Cape May is a beautiful place, I'm sure. All right, let's jump into our conversation today. I'm I'm curious to kind of learn more about these three worlds and how you apply them, Anthony, because I think it's very important, as I mentioned, to to understand these before you can truly invest your money appropriately. And that's what a certified financial planner will help you with. But this conversation will maybe get you thinking that way a little bit. Just have a better understanding of the the approach to investing. So let's start with uh, the first world today, which is the banking world. I think everybody kind of has a pretty good feel for what that is, I guess, exactly. But what are the uses of the banking world? So I, I would say that the main use as it relates to retirement planning would, would really be more of your Safety of principle, principal protection, liquidity are the things that you would want to take advantage of mostly within the banking world. And so that's, I think, at the end of the day, the more or less vanilla, right? You're going to have your checking savings and then maybe some CD or money market accounts, um, if it makes sense to, to have that for you. And usually we're going to kind of earmark that money for emergencies or some type of cash buffer against the, the market. If, if the market goes sideways, we want to have an account that's there for safety that we can spend out of so that your investment account can can recover and so you don't have to sell something at a loss typically. So I, I think that that's the general, you know, typical use of, of the bank, bank accounts or, or how we look at them. Uh, but you are going to give up growth there. So you're not going to probably be able to put all your money in, into a checking and savings or CDs than to 
handle a, a 30 year retirement just due to inflation, you're typically going to be, you know, losing money slowly and silently that where you don't really keep up with the um, increase of costs as things get more expensive. So that I would say is the um, how we look at the banking world. So I guess as you kind of look at pros and cons, you kind of touched on a little bit, but I guess the pro is safety and I guess the cons, you just kind of lose out on, on some of the growth that you might get in other places. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that when we have people walk into our office and we're checking out, you know, their asset listing for the first time, you know, it's not uncommon to see people that are extremely overweight in cash because they're just not comfortable with the stock market risk. And so we totally understand that. And, and we have to kind of figure out, well, if you can keep it there and still reach your goals, I really don't have a problem with it. And if you're okay with it, I'm okay with it. I just know over probably a 30 year period of time, for example, you're probably giving up some money there. But if it lets you sleep better at night and you can still get there, that's fine. But there's many people who can't afford to kind of have their entire nest egg sitting in the, in the bank accounts and still try to be able to reach their, their long-term goals, or at least most likely not going to be able to do that. So I guess that's the, that's the most common way that people misuse the banking world is just putting too much cash into their accounts. Is there any other maybe way that we're not thinking about in terms of how you can misuse this? Occasionally, you, you might see somebody who has like no savings and it's all invested. Okay. And we will see that from time to time when people are getting ready for retirement. We'll actually encourage them to, why don't we sell some things, even if it's in your IRA, and actually move it into more of a money market IRA, not to actually take a distribution, but to keep it in there from a safety standpoint so you do have some liquid emergencies. Occasionally, there are banks that will try to sell um, some of the other investments that you're probably going to bring up in the insurance world or... Um, you know, investment world that sometimes I would probably do a little bit more thorough of an analysis on if they're selling some of those other products. I, I would say a lot of times they're generally uh, maybe not the best or as uh, well performing just because they're just not going to be looking out in the entire market. So, I mean, it's hard to put a blanket statement like that. So sometimes they are performing just fine. But we do see a lot of times that people come in with bank statements and they have uh, investments that maybe would just be better bought at uh, in an actual investment company or an insurance product being bought at an actual one through uh, shopping it through a, a bunch of other insurance carriers instead of going it through the bank. I got you. All right. So that's the first world, the banking world. Obviously, safety is a, is a big priority there at the banking world. Now let's go to the insurance world. What does this cover exactly? What are we looking at this in terms of how we invest our money when it comes to insurance? Yeah, when it comes to investing and, and using insurance products, we're probably narrowed down to really annuities or life insurance. So those would be the, the, the two most common vehicles that we would typically see. Generally speaking, people are purchasing insurance-based products generally to try to transfer some type of risk like uh, market volatility or or guaranteeing some type of growth on your account or some type of payout over time. So I generally look at the insurance world as something that's generally maybe trying to protect some type of principal uh, or have some type of guaranteed payout at the end of the day. That's kind of the lens that is generally being looked at, especially when it comes to retirement planning. So I think that when we see new people and they come in with 
when they have something from the insurance world, we just want to figure out, is it still useful for what it is when you bought it? You know, why did you buy it? And is it working properly? And do you totally understand it? I think that those oftentimes could be two different questions in terms of if it's still useful and why you bought it and if you still like it. And I think a little bit has to do with maybe some sales tactics from before or maybe not totally miss or understanding what you might have bought. And I think some of those are the reasons why occasionally we'll see people that are more or less unfamiliar or not happy with their insurance uh, type of investment that they bought at the end of the day. Okay. So he, yeah, he might have a policy that doesn't really fit you as much anymore. Is that, I mean, I guess, is that the biggest misuse? I wouldn't, I guess that's not really a con necessarily. What are some of the negatives for having insurance? Okay. So if you have somebody who is, has a social security and, and pension that basically is paying for the, all the income that they really need in retirement, and then they, they, they bought some type of annuity that's going to provide them with lifetime payout. To me, that would probably not be a good matchup in that example, because if you already have enough guaranteed income coming from your social security and, and your pension, why would you go out and buy a variable annuity that has lifetime payout? It doesn't really, really match up to the plan. You probably want to have, it sounds like you have enough guaranteed income. Maybe that annuity should be invested in something else. Conversely, uh, another thing could be where somebody has bought a bunch of annuities and they have, you know, 80 or 90% of all their money sitting in annuities and they don't have any liquidity and they don't have something that might be able to keep pace with inflation. Because generally speaking, um, you're not going to get as much growth off of an annuity as you would from, say, a, a regular investment account. So th those would be some of the, I guess, misuses at the end of the day. They can play a good role, whether it's cash value life insurance as a, a buffer for the, if the market goes down, like a whole life cash value. Um, that could play a nice role where if the stock market takes a dip, you can go to your cash value, maybe utilize that while the market's down and let it recover. So that, that's, a, that's one that we see from time to time. We also see people utilize um, some annuities and, and for the reasons where they don't have enough guaranteed income. They might just have a social security that only gives them 25 or 30% of the income that they want coming in. And they would feel a little bit better or sleep better at night having a little bit more guaranteed income. And that's where you know uh, an annuity that has a lifetime income there, basically to help create some type of life a pension for them at the end of the day to increase their guaranteed income over time. Those would be some you know good uses. But again, you want to figure out what's the right ratio and, and matchup for yourself, if it makes sense at all. It's one of those topics, as you know, and we've talked about before, we really want to understand where somebody's mindset is if they bought them or if they're thinking about it and what their history is of these topics. Some have, some love them, some hate them, and there's everything in between that we come across. So we really want to understand what their perspective is, what their overall goals are, if it even makes any sense for them, and just have more of a straightforward talk objectively to determine the, the pros and cons of why you might utilize something in the insurance world or not. I got you. All right, so that's two worlds down, banking world, insurance world. That takes us to one that we're all pretty familiar with in terms of investing, and that's the Wall Street world. So let's start off with a quick, maybe a quick description of what this is and, and the best uses for it. 
you know, when you say Wall Street World, I'm like, Ew, like a lot of people just right. don't like that name. It just has like sim- similar to the insurance, right? You could find plenty of people who feel that way when you mention the A word annuities, True. right? Yeah. And I think the Wall Street World, I think just has this like wolf on Wall Street type of like feeling to it when that's not always really the case, right? Companies like, um, well, I probably shouldn't even go into specific companies, <laughs> but so there's plenty of companies that are not necessarily feeling like a wall street but more like a main street type of uh vibe and doing the right thing and helping people out at a fair price and stuff like that that we're all for but what i would say is uh they're there to provide market growth and look typically liquidity in in your investment the trade-off there is a lot of times there's not that downside protection and you're typically investing in uh stocks or bonds or mutual funds or exchange traded funds also known as etfs and um, they are a helpful tool because they're typically there to help keep pace with the cost of living as it gets higher and higher. So the idea generally is to utilize this type of investments to outpace inflation. So your, your spending doesn't get depleted. Certainly it's going to be an accumulation tool for anyone who's in their you know teens, twenties and thirties who are saving for retirement and forties and fifties. But I think that the complexities of figuring out which funds or investments to use is is one of the the tough things there at the end of the day you have marketing mediums between online through television and various other places that are saying you know you should buy individual stocks and you should never buy mutual funds because they underperform and or you need to buy this mutual fund company over that mutual fund company so I think that's one of the things that makes it difficult to understand of, you know, am I getting a fair shake? Is this a good company versus, you know, company A versus company B who have this similar type of labeled fund S&P 500, but there's 75 of them out there. Which one's the best one for me? So I think that's where it can become difficult for the average consumer at times. And I know we talk about risk quite a bit here on the show and, and, and managing your risk and understanding what your risk tolerance is. I mean, I'm guessing that's the biggest con here, right? It's just that, you know, a lot of times people take on too much risk or the risk can provide a, a lot of downside for people. Yeah, that's a great point too as well. It's really just, you got to take a step back before jumping in and say, well, let me get a sense of, I know people are like, oh, the risk tolerance thing, but it is important just to kind of get a sense of where you're at today and, and know that that's something that could change tomorrow. As people feel more aggressive when the market's generally going up and feel more conservative, generally feeling when the market's going down. And I think if you add some financial planning in there in terms of getting a sense of how much risk you need to take from a financial planning perspective and seeing if that also matches with your risk appetite as well, That'll also make it a a much more dynamic and fulfilling conversation to better identify how much risk or how conservative you can be from a preference or choice standpoint. And I think that that would be a better way to start versus just jumping into whether or not I should buy a mutual fund company A versus B, for example. Any other misuses we haven't mentioned or haven't thought about yet in terms of uh... The Wall Street world, I know it's got a negative connotation in many ways, but are there any ways, any other ways that we misuse um, these investments? I think just trying to make sure that you stay disciplined at the end of the day. I mean, you're using this money, you're lending it to the different fund companies or stock or bonds out there 
to get a return on on your money and but trying to go down the road of like picking individual stocks and paying too much attention to short term swings is going to be something that's really not going to pay the, the long term dividend. So I think you just got to be long term and disciplined at the end of the day, be diversified so you're not taking on any more risk than what you need to. Occasionally, we'll see people who don't want to really take any risk here when they really need to have some type of growth in their total nest egg and they're way too conservative sitting in cash and they've never seen a good time to really get into the market. Occasionally, we'll see people who are feeling like they have to catch up because they feel like they're behind in retirement. I'm not here to say that you would want to take off all the all the uh, risk that you're that you're doing to try to get the growth. But also understand that there's probably a lot of things that you can do in your own financial planning and things that you can control before you have to feel like you have to take a, a ton of risk, um, you know, even while you're a little bit older. And I would also say that a lot of people have this thought of you have to be conservative as you get older. And that's not always the case either. So I think it just goes back to the planning and starting it from there and having the right conversations with your advisor or yourself or whoever you're working with to, to really get a sense of how you should really be allocated in this uh, in this side of the portfolio. Very good. Well, that's a kind of a good uh, summary of all three of the worlds. Now let's, let's talk quickly about you know, what you see in your office, Anthony. Do you find your clients typically more involved or invested in too, um, too much into one of these worlds? I would say that there's not too any clients that I can really think of off the top of my head that where I'm just like, I don't like the way that they're allocated because they probably wouldn't be a client. Um, I would say that that's something that's just going to get figured out in the beginning stages when we go through the planning process and to see if you know, we're going to be able to be more or less on the, on the same page. We do see people from time to time that that come into our office that are really overweighted in maybe the insurance world or maybe really overweighted in the banking world. And uh, maybe that's not the best approach to their long-term objectives. So we'll, yeah, we, we try to go through an educational journey to figure out if, if that can work for them, great. Um, if it can't, then, you know, here, here are the alternative ways. Um, have no problem with people being in all three of them. Uh, there's, there's definitely good um, insurance products out there that can help people to transfer some risk out there. So I'm not saying that you know insurance is bad. Um, it, it can be a great fit for people, a cash alternative, a bond alternative, an income option like a pension. So you know I think making sure we're, we're getting into two of these and probably having some of the growth of the, the stock market for most people is going to have to make is generally going to make some sense but again you have to look at the full picture you know some people have other types of income like say rental income to take into consideration so uh, these everyone's different so we, we try to start off with the open mind and kind of work backwards to figure out what the right mix is for you yeah it's always always going to be different for everyone so before you attempt to try to balance that you want to obviously work with a professional who can help you you know, crunch the numbers and actually input every, all the data in there to figure out exactly what that mix is. I mean, is, is is there ever like a, I know you want a little bit of everything, right? But is there ever just kind of a, a general goal that you're aiming for? I think that, I'm, I'm glad you actually brought that up. If you're working with somebody who's just only wants to talk about one thing and, you know, that's the remedy to everything, that's their tool for everything. 
that's probably where you should have like an antenna that goes up that says, okay, maybe this person's not being as objective as I want. I think you really want to go down a process that's going to explore all three of them and anything else that you might have as an option to you to really make sure you know that that you're you're considering all things on the table. Um, and if you have somebody who only sells insurance, that's probably going to be the remedy for everything. They're probably not everyone, but a lot of times not going to tell you, you know, go down the street to this company. I think you need some more, uh, you know, growth in your investments. If you're at a bank, a bank's going to probably want to, you know, sell you bank stuff. So I, I think that it's um, making sure you're working with somebody who's independent and objective that can go over the pros and cons of all three of these and, and figure out what the right mix is for yourselves. If you want to get that process started, very simple. Just go to cardinalwg.com. You can schedule an appointment with Anthony there and uh, begin that process of figuring out what kind of balance you want. What, how much do you need invested in each of these three worlds? Which one's more, most important to you and your goals for your retirement? Time now to hit, hit the mailbag, answer a couple of questions that came into the show. And we'll begin with Michael. Michael's got a question here on 401ks. I like it. I have several old 401ks from companies that I used to work for, and I'm getting tired of keeping up with all these statements. Can I just combine them all into one account? Or maybe the question is, should I combine them? Well, let's let's take the first part. Can you combine them? The, the answer is going to generally be yes. Um, certainly, if you're not working as an active employee of those 401k plans, as you uh, suggested, can be consolidated. Generally, they would be consolidated most of the time into an IRA rollover. But you also want to keep in mind if you have like a Roth 401k that you're not going to want to combine that into a rollover IRA. You're going to want to put the four, the Roth 401k portion into the Roth IRA and you're going to want to put the pre-tax contributions into the rollover IRA. So you just want to make sure that if you are going to be consolidating into IRAs, that you're going to make sure that you're going through the right transfer process and make sure that they get into the right type of tax uh, tax account. In terms of if you're an active employee of a 401k, it's going to depend. So I, I would start off with your HR department or your plan administrator to find out what the in-service distributions or rollover options are while you're working there. A lot of times if you're 55 or 59 and a half, you should have an option, but that's not always the case. So you're just going to want to make sure that you figure that out. You're also going to want to make sure that if you're going to do any of this consolidation, that you get it done um, in a direct rollover fashion. Uh, when I say direct rollover fashion, I mean, if you can get the one company to send it directly to the other fund company or the other custodian, wherever the funds are being held, um, that that's going to be done if, if possible in a direct fashion so that you don't have to take receipt of the check and have to deal with any 60-day penalties because you do have 60 days to get that into the next new account or you could be dealing with taxes and potentially penalties if you're less than 59 and a half. So those are the things that you, you want to make sure that you think about. In terms of should you combine them, that's really going to come down to thinking about some of the pros and cons. Some of the pros about consolidating is certainly going to be making your life easier, not getting all those different statements, going one place to manage them all. Generally speaking, you're going to have usually more options in an IRA to invest in versus a 401k. Uh, generally speaking, it should maybe be less costly in an IRA than in a 401k. And certainly easier to access on an, on an 
income bases when it comes to an IRA versus going to get a form from your 401k company. And that's something you want to keep in mind, especially as you get closer to required minimum distributions where you have to start taking out income every year once you hit age 72. Some of the reasons why you might stay in that 401k would basically be because you are used to it. You like the advisor you might be working with. Um, you like the options and how they're working for you. And, and you know, going to somewhere new isn't going to be uh, anything uh, easier for you at the end of the day. All right. Thank you for that question. Hopefully that helps you, Michael. Uh, Frida has another question for us. She says, I've heard some people advertising that they can teach you ways to avoid paying taxes in retirement. This sounds like a scam to me, so I haven't even looked into it. What's it all about? Well, I without seeing the ad, I, I really wouldn't know. But I certainly drive enough in the radio uh, to hear the radio about you know tax-free retirements and understand that if that's what you're talking about, if somebody's offering a tax-free retirement, generally they're they're discussing ways that you can save into the future and utilizing. Roth IRA, Roth 401k, or life insurance types of vehicles that have tax-free benefits as you take the money out, unlike your traditional IRA or 401k. So that that could be one thing that you might be hearing in that ad. Or it could be talking about if, if you're already kind of in near retirement and you want to have a tax-free retirement, it could be more about paying your taxes now and not uh, doing the traditional of waiting until you're age 72 to start taking money out of your traditional IRA or 401ks, which you have to do at 72 through what's called required minimum distribution. So the idea is instead of taking it out over time, over your lifetime at whatever tax rate they are at that time, the idea is to basically do what's called Roth conversions or distributions prior to 72, pay your taxes, be done with it. And then they're kind of referring to that as a tax-free retirement. Um, but you really got to look at if it makes sense to do some of these different things and the different trade-offs there and go through a process uh, before making any decisions and work with uh, an advisor who understands what they're doing and and considers you know the taxes um, for making those types of changes now and also over your lifetime into the future. Thank you for that question, Frida, again. It's hard to say whether or not that, what you heard was a scam, but there is definitely tax planning that needs to happen within your overall uh, retirement plan. So if you haven't done that, make that a priority to speak to someone about and can definitely help you out over the long term. All right, let's close it on that note. If you do have a question for Anthony or the show, you can always send it in, cardinalwg.com. That is the website. And if you want to call him directly, the phone number is 609 609- 362-5512. Anthony, enjoyed it as always. I encourage everyone to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You don't want to miss a single one of our conversations and look forward to talking to you again soon, Anthony. Thanks so much. Have a great day, Ben. See you. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.